back, everybody. My name is Jasmine Nicole, and I am the host of this podcast, Seasoned Crime. For those of you that are hitting play on the podcast for the first time, I more than appreciate you. And if you've hung out with me before, I appreciate you all the same. Either way, you have tuned in to hear a story about a minority. On this podcast, I take the true crime stories from the minorities. This includes all races, religions, social class, age, you know, those things that they had to put a law in place to offer protection against discrimination on. Yeah. We look for the stories that are just as good, but feature people that may get overlooked from the front page news. Some of these stories you may have heard before, but for most of them, you probably missed out because they aren't the ones that are plastered everywhere. We made it another month. We are now in the month of April. I spent this weekend in New Orleans celebrating a friend's birthday, so this episode is a little bit shorter, but I promise you I didn't skim on any of the details. I just did a shorter story. New Orleans holds a special place in my heart. It is near and dear. I love the city and everything about it, but it's one of those places where if you stay too long, this city will get you. It just so happened that the NCAA Final Four was also happening the same weekend I went, so it was wild, but it was a great time as always. And then I was a victim of the canceled flight epidemic that is happening right now. And so my flight home on Sunday, there were no pilot. There wasn't a pilot um, at all and to fly the plane. And so then turns out there were no flights to Dallas um, out of New Orleans that were leaving until Tuesday. So I ended up having to do a flight to Austin and then come to Dallas. So I basically did a big circle. I turned my one hour trip into a, you know, three and a half hour trip, but all the positive. Um, it was a good time. I truly enjoyed it. Um, but I'm back and I'm ready to give you guys a story. So that's how my last week was gone. I'll go ahead and wrap up this small talk and I'm going to go ahead and jump on in. So today's story, it may be a little bit more well-known. You may have heard of it. If you haven't heard of it, I'm sure you've seen the picture that will be referenced in this story. So the family gained a little bit of popularity, or should I say a member of the family um, gained some popularity when a picture of him showed the hug that the entire world needed and felt. It was at a time where our country was at its lowest We needed to pick me up, and when this picture got out, everyone gravitated to it. Today's crime is going to be the murder-suicide story of the Hart family. Jennifer Hart and her wife Sarah Hart were both from South Dakota. These two women got together during their time at Northern State University. Both ladies majored in elementary education, and Sarah put an emphasis on special ed. Sarah graduated in 2002, but Jennifer didn't quite make it down the graduation aisle. Once Sarah graduated, Jennifer ended up dropping out of school, and the two stayed together and enjoyed their life. Even though they were extremely proud of their relationship, they did make the decision to stay a closeted couple until around 2004. Both women yearned for a family, and biologically, I mean... You know, they couldn't have one, so they decided to build their family through the Foster and Adoption Center. In early 2006, a 15-year-old girl came to stay with them through fostering. 
Her name has never been released, and in an interview that she's done, she has also asked for the, her name to remain private, so we will keep it just that. After the crime with this family happened, the girl did an interview with the Seattle Times, and she spoke to them about her time that she had spent with the Hearts. She did admit that when she went to live with the Hearts, she was far from an easy teenager to deal with. She went to stay with them, and for the first six months she was there, it was filled with camping and all kinds of activities that were used to just keep her busy. She said Sarah was the quiet one, but Jennifer, she, she was the exact opposite. And she was extremely outgoing. And the girl actually thought all was going really good. But one day, the hearts dropped her off at a scheduled therapy appointment. And while she was there, the therapist told her that she wasn't going back. Instead, the girl was immediately going to live with some family members. So she never got to say goodbye to the hearts. A week after this happened and the 15-year-old ended up you know, moving in, moving back with some of her family, the Hart ended up adopting their first group of children. March of 2006, three siblings were placed with the Harts. Eight-year-old Marquise, four-year-old Hannah, and three-year-old Abigail, all from Harris County, Texas, which is roughly down in the Houston area. They were there as fosters at first, but by September, the adoption for all three was finalized. A few years later, in 2008, three more siblings were in foster care after their biological family lost custody of them. So June of 2008, 10-year-old Jeremiah, 6-year-old Devante, and 3-year-old Sierra all became part of the Hart family as well. So now, here we are with these two white women who have adopted a total of six black children. Even though they were two separate sets of siblings, they all came from the same area in Harris County, roughly. And um, because they came from Texas, the women, Sarah and Jennifer, they were receiving adoption subsidies, which ranged between $400 and $545 per child. They had a total of six children. So majority of their living expenses were covered by the subsidies that they were getting from the state for the uh, adoption. So now the women have decided it's time to live their lives out loud. Each of their families insisted that they never had any problems with the women's chosen lifestyle. However, the hearts were estranged from their families because according to them, their families didn't agree at all with their lifestyle. Jennifer originally estranged herself from her family in 2001. With or without the additional support, the women were in love. In 2009, gay marriage wasn't yet legal in all states, so they traveled to Connecticut to get married, and at that time, Sarah changed her name to Hart. It sounds like a story you want to root for. You know, six children who had a rough life. They were adopted by two women who just wanted a family and children, and they wanted that lifestyle. On the outside looking in, it looked just as great as it sounded. Jennifer was extremely active on social media, and she was constantly posting pictures and posts that portrayed the image of her happy family in a loving home. She would give her opinion on other typical social media issues, like about race, politics, and she even gave some family and parenting tips. But, just like a lot of things you see on social media, no matter how great the post looks, 
it does not give an accurate description of what is going on after the picture is taken. One of the first reported cases of abuse was in 2006. The family was still living in Minnesota and the kids were in school. A teacher noticed some bruises on Hannah's left arm and when asked what happened, Hannah advised that the marks came from Jennifer hitting her with the belt. I'm not sure how deep this was investigated, but I feel very comfortable saying that this was part of the reason that within six months of that happening, all six of the kids were pulled out of the public school system for over a year. Years went by, but not much changed. In 2010, Abigail said that she had had some owies on her back and her stomach. As expected with allegations like this, it was again looked into. Not only did Abigail have the owies, but she also expressed that she had felt threatened by Sarah and Jennifer. She said that they would beat her, and one time they even held her head down in cold water, all because she stole a penny. With everything that was being said, there was no choice but for the authorities to get involved. They spoke to the other children, and it seemed like they had all shared the same experience of receiving some kind of neglect from the hearts. They spoke to constantly being spanked and deprived of food. This one was too much to go unaccounted for, so Sarah ended up taking the blame for everything, and she was sentenced to one-year community service. I'm just going to pause for a minute. I, I, Me, personally, I don't get how you are fostering six children, and you're able to get reports of child abuse and neglect happening from multiple children in the household, and yet the end result is community service? Because in my head, what's going to happen now that Sarah got in trouble, she's going to make them pay for what was said. So about a year after all of this happened, things just continued to keep coming. Hannah told the school nurse that she hadn't eaten all day long. When they called and told Sarah about what Hannah had said, Sarah said, you shouldn't believe her. Just give her some water because she was playing the food card, trying to just get food from people. Sarah and Jennifer recognized that keeping the kids in school was going to keep causing them problems. So after this, they removed all of the children from public schools and decided to homeschool and they moved to Oregon. Even though the location was different, problems just continued to follow them. In 2013, the authorities in Oregon were notified about the abuse allegations that had happened in Minnesota. So they decided to do a full investigation with separate interviews from everyone in the family, along with people outside of the family. The children had gotten older now, so assuming that they had been told what to say and what not to say, they didn't really speak to anything that was happening. Just because the kids were keeping quiet now doesn't mean that everyone else was, though. A couple of the family friends said that from what they knew, the kids were forced to raise their hand before they could start speaking. They couldn't even wish each other a happy birthday or laugh out of turn at the dinner table. Other people close to the family said that the children were poorly fed and they looked real malnourished for their age. There was one time where Jennifer ordered some pizza for dinner, but each child was only allowed one small piece. She walked away, and when she came back, the entire pizza was gone. And based on the rules that she had given the children, 
there should have been some pizza left. And so since no one copped to who did it or who ate it all, everyone was punished. The kids weren't allowed to eat breakfast and she forced them all to lay in their bed and not get up for over five hours. Friends said that the children were scared to death of Jen and that the kids operated like trained robots. Through all the things they had gotten from others, it still didn't really stick though because the children weren't saying anything and there hadn't been any new allegations that had come up since the last time, so that was it. They did interview Jennifer to advise of some of the things that had been said and of course she denied all of it and she said that people just didn't like her family choices that's why they had so much negative to say about her she said that anyone who had anything negative to say about her their problem was that they just didn't like the fact that there were two white lesbian women raising six black kids and that's why people were making all this stuff up just like her family who remember she was estranged from after saying the exact same things about them just going to pause and give a little bit more of my personal input on this. If everyone in your circle not only sees you as an unfit parent with all these foster kids, like, why is it that no one's saying anything? I, I just don't get it. I mean, all of their friends and family are giving these horrible accounts of what's going on in the home, but it seemed like it's been happening for a while and everybody knows about it. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I am a full on card carrying member of the Mind My Business Ministries. But this is so far beyond that. There are certain things, especially like the people who can't take care of themselves, such as the kids, the special needs, the elderly. I I just don't see how people are aware of abuse and they just decide to look the other way. So, all right, now back. The family moved to Washington, but as expected, trouble found them once again. In August of 2014, Hannah jumped out of her second-story bedroom window around 1.30 a.m. She wasn't hurt or anything. She just jumped out and then ran across to the neighbor's house. And it was at their house where she allegedly pleaded with them, don't make me go back. They're racist and they abuse us. The hearts came out and they find Hannah and they take her back home. The next morning, Jennifer spoke with the neighbors and tried to explain everything and let them know that it really wasn't a big deal. She said that Hannah was straight up lying. And the other kids, I mean, they're all just bad. They act out a lot because they were drug babies. And that Hannah's biological mom was bipolar, so Hannah had inherited some of those traits. Whether you believe Jennifer or not, again, my two cents, a child jumping out of their window to escape the house, yelling things like, you know, they're racist. I don't want to go back. Huge red flag, like shining light red flag. But this did not get the neighbors to the point where they felt like they had to say anything. So they didn't feel like they had any reason not to believe Jennifer. So they just went along with it. That is until they ended up coming in contact with one of the other children. Devante. And Devante was begging for food. He said that the hearts would withhold food as punishment and they would also abuse them sometimes. 
At this point, the neighbors just couldn't overlook both of these things that had happened. So they reached out to the state police as well as the Washington State Department of Social and Health Services to file a report. A caseworker was assigned to the case and that caseworker tried multiple times to get in touch with the Hart woman. The caseworker tried twice on March 23rd and once again on March 26th, but got no reply either time. March 26, 2018, the same day that the caseworker tried to reach out to the woman for a third time to speak about the report that was filed, the family, all of the children included, piled in their GMC Yukon and went for a drive. Jennifer was the driver with Sarah riding in the passenger seat. They were driving through Mendocino County, California. And while driving along a 100-foot cliff, the car goes over the cliff, landing on its top on the beach below the cliff and killing everyone in the vehicle. The bodies of five of the children, which is everyone but Devante, were found either in the vehicle or near where the car had landed because they had been ejected from the vehicle. Devante's body was never found. However, it has since been concluded that he was in the vehicle at that time, and he was officially declared dead on April 3rd of 2019. After the tragedy, a lot of investigations were done to figure out what happened. And based on what was able to be pieced together, the case was ruled a murder-suicide. Analysis of the Yukon's internal airbag deploying computer helped show that the vehicle was intentionally driven off a cliff. It went from being at zero, a complete stop, to all of a sudden at full throttle being pushed to 20 miles an hour, which then took it over the cliff. Toxicology reports showed that Jennifer's blood alcohol content was over the legal limit at the time, and Sarah and all of the kids had a diphenhydramine in their system, and that is an antihistamine commonly found in Benadryl and other allergy and cold-related medications. Phone records showed that prior to the crash, Sarah did Google searches about Benadryl, no-kill shelters, and the nature of drowning. I have so much to say about this story. Like, first off, let's just point out the obvious. I know not everyone's going to agree with me on this one, but it definitely raised a side eye for me once I recognized that these were two white women who adopted all these black kids. I know, I, I know, I know. I hate to always take it there, but I wouldn't be giving y'all my truth if I acted like that didn't mean something to me. And I get it. There are a lot of people who would give anything to be parents. And the ones who truly mean well wouldn't care what the race of their child were, but I just never got that feeling at all in this story. Also, I can't get over how many people saw the obvious signs of problems and nothing was done. Yeah, I, I know there were CPS investigations and a few people tried to say something, but literally nothing happened. And the one time something was done, it was community service, which is basically nothing. All six of these kids had a tragic life already. I mean, they were not only taken from their parents, but they were taken from 
where they lived at in Texas across the country to live with these random people and build this family. And they had no idea what was going on. They were taken away from the hell that they were in just to be brought to a place that was even worse. The picture of Devante hugging the cop still gives me chills, especially once I found out about this story. I'll have the picture posted on our page um, on IG, which is at Seasoned Crime. So you can go check it out there and make sure you follow us there as well. And that's where I'm always going to post anything about the page, anything about the show, anything that's going on, show updates, it'll be on IG. And you can also reach out to me there, hit me in the DM or hit me up on our email at seasonedcrime at gmail.com if you have any story suggestions or any feedback at all. I hope everyone has a great week and I will be back next Tuesday with another story about a minority. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Seasoned Crime. Today's episode was researched, edited, and recorded by your host, Jasmine Nicole.